Show. Welcome back. If you've been watching, welcome if you're here for the first time. This is the Suicide Prevention Show. We are here waking up the world. And I am super excited that you are here for our next speaker. Our next speaker, our next guest, she's not going to be preachy. She's not going to be teachy. We're going to be just talking with Becky Norwood. And Becky is a big supporter of our mission before there was a mission. Becky's company is Spotlight on Your Business Publishing, or Spotlight Publishing as I call it. And because of her company, our book, the first book of the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past actually got published. So I cannot thank her enough. And now I want you to get to know her like I do. So now, Becky Norwood, you can join me in the studio, please. Oh, I can join. I, I was on listening to Junie. I just love Junie. And um, it was just so cool. And then the music was playing. We got it all kind of put together here. This is awesome. It is that music. Do, 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 do. You know do, where it do, comes do, from? Do. No, I, I don't know where my music very well, but I know what I like. <laughs> the song is called The Baby Elephant Walk, and it was written by Henry Mancini as part of the soundtrack for a movie. I know that. Hatari with John Wayne. <laughs> and this movie had everything in it that makes a movie great, that makes a story great. It had adventure and it had romance, it had danger, it had everything possible. And that's sort of like your story. Yes. Everything that makes a story great. So would you, where do you want to start with this, Becky? Because this is not your first rodeo, but this is a really important topic. It is. And... You know, it's one of those sub subjects that often it gets swept under the rug. Um, people want to be quiet about it because there's a stigma that is attached with it. But it's time for that stigma to go away. And it's time to start recognizing the, the warning signs and, and the, the things that I think there's probably not one person on the face of the earth that hasn't maybe even passed has the mind about that being an option. And that's the truth. We've all re come through dark times. And yet, what do we do with it? And we have a choice to make. We have a choice to either stay in our story or stand on our story. And, and it's my passion because I have, truthfully, I've lost five members of my family through suicide. And it's terrible in what it does to families, what it does all the way around each and every individual and the years it takes for a family to recover. And I don't want anybody to, to face something like that ever. It's, it's just, let's, let's stop the nonsense of this. Okay. Well, I get slammed all the time. Happened again this week. And the reason was because, well, actually, I, I have to give credit to one of my speakers because she handled it really well. One of the marketing messages that we have that she sent out has at the bottom of it to come and join us on the show and have fun. And yes, fun. Because yes. while we know suicide is serious, we, we believe suicide prevention can be seriously fun. And she got an email back. 
that said, it's important what you're doing, but your message was in very poor taste. How, you know, if you've had any experience of loss, how dare you put fun into that email? And I understand the person that said that, um, just as you understand the person that said that, um, because I know your story as well and the tears that were shed and that, that heartache that is experienced for a very long period of time. But if we can, through this summit that you're doing and through the speaking that you're doing and through the work that everybody that has come onto your show is doing, if we can prevent that from happening, then let's make it fun. And, and your upbeat music and everything else, it does something to transform the minds of those that are listening because we, we really need those messages. You know, we do. And that's part of the power of what we're doing here is we don't have to wait for the culture to destigmatize the conversation around suicide. We just have to do it. Mm -hmm. right. And that's why I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on the show because I know that the power of the culture to keep our family secrets secret. And while it's Hard to keep it a secret when you lost five members of your family to suicide. We still try, Becky. No, we we still we don't want to talk about it. To embarrass, it feels very embarrassing to have to to admit that and to talk about the subject. And the and there is a huge stigma that goes with it. And you know, you think people look at you like, okay, are you next? You know, what's what's with this? You know, and that's and, not an unreasonable question given what we know about how contagious it is. Well, yes, and I can say that my father taking his life gave license to my nephew to do the same thing, mm -hmm. and and that in itself is heartbreaking. And the same for the other family members. Each one gave the next person the. It seems like the, the logical solution. Well, why wouldn't I do that? Mm -hmm. But why would you? Why would you? And the pain, oh my goodness, the pain that it brings families that have to come, the, mother, the mothers and the fathers and sisters and brothers, and the friends, the aunts and uncles, the grandparents, the, the pain that it puts, that everybody has to experience. We don't, let's not do this to each other. So let's give them a path away from the edge because Absolutely. you just made a really good case for the fact how we are all near the edge. We don't know how near the edge we are. Most, most, I don't know about most, many people are totally blindsided by suicidal thinking and getting stuck in what I call the negative, negative echo chamber. We don't know how close we are to that. So let's get, let's help them get away from the edge. Becky, what you got for us? Uh, you know, I have I have used a lot of tools and I'm really grateful for the people that I've surrounded myself with. I'm grateful for the tool sets that that have become available and that I discovered. And in my journey, um, I went through some dark times with all of that, that whole subject and trying to as a mom, a single mom, trying to keep my children on track and, you know, and, and still suffer the way you're suffering. It, it, it's really difficult but one of the things that I found initially was writing and writing is an amazing amazing tool to to really kind of um, learn how to get in touch with your emotions learn how to to really develop to express 
and just get it. There's something about writing that once you put pen to paper and start writing what you feel, something that can change altogether your perspective, but then to have somebody that you, that you just absolutely love to be, to share it with that person and that person care enough to put aside the emotion and listen. And that can make all the difference in the world. It needs to be in safe environment, but do you know it, it, it's like it releases it. It, it releases the hold. And, and there's a lot of discovery that happens when you put pen to paper. Yes, I agree. There's a lot of discovery because I have certainly lived that when I had to write the script for my TEDx talk, especially. Mm -hmm. What was your first book? It's called The Woman I Love. And um, that book, having, I had grown up in a household that was, my dad was extremely abusive. And I, you know, going into adulthood, I didn't have a barometer of what was normal. You know, I, I really, I knew my heart was crying out that there was, it had to be something better than this. But I kept on when I, early adulthood, kept attracting the same type of people, even that my father was. And I knew there were, had, it was something better. So it's quite a, been a journey, a long journey to, to figure this all out. And, you know, it doesn't mean that it's always all wonderful flowers coming up and everything good because you go through trigger points. You can't go through things, especially when there's a repeat in the family, things that happen in a family. And yet the writing of my book really, really caused me to go deep and to really kind of search inside and the mere writing of it. And I published that book. I'm not that same person anymore. Yes, the story was true. Yes, the where I was in my growth, my personal growth was true, but I continued to grow. But when I discovered that my book helped somebody else and people were reaching out to me after I published it and said, thank you for having the courage to stand up and speak up. Wow. Then I started to see and to recognize that there was so much, so much of a bigger picture behind it all. I loved what you said at the beginning of our talk, which is that you can stay in your story or you can stand on your story. Yes. And that's really what you did when you wrote that book. In that moment, you were standing on your story. How did it feel to be just a little more visible? You know, it was scary at first. Oh man, I was like, <laughs> and I have, I work with authors all the time that are telling, sharing their stories. And um, I have one author right now that kind of is crying through the whole process and her launch is this week. Just, <laughs> just, you know, just trying to, you know, afraid to, to, to show up in the world that way. And yet she realizes that that's the calling that she has. And so in, what I've watched is after I wrote my book, I did two other books. And in those two books, they were called We Choose to Thrive. They were women, other women who had gone through very similar things that I had that were writing their story for the first time. And I have watched, this is eight years later, and I have watched some of those same women that are just now coming to me to write a full book of their story. 
and many of them have gone on to be life coaches and have nonprofit organizations that are, you know, supporting whatever their cause is. They've gone on to do incredible things and movements and beautiful things. And you know what? It's it's just amazing when you know that you are standing strong and and when but when you know even when I wrote my book I said if one person just one person can benefit and I'm sure you must say this about the show and the the journey that you've been on in your TEDx speech if I can make a difference for one person but what happens is it 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 goes out in waves and ripples because I feel like you know we're we're never an island unto ourselves we're never all alone no matter how hard we try to keep it a secret yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how hard yeah. we try to stay invisible. Yes, it's. It, but in the staying invisible, it doesn't rise us to a different level. It doesn't help us to get through. But the more we can stay visible, the more we can stand and talk about our story, the more it, it takes the fire away from it and the more we can grow. Well, that's a great way to express it. The more it takes the fire away from it. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't take it such a hold. You, you begin to, in the mirror speaking, well, I believe in the power of story and the power of story is so vital. There's, there's a quote that I use for some of my workshops and it's, I'll read it just because I want to make sure that the, the point is made. Storytelling brings to light untapped wisdom, heals lives and transform hearts. It's a path for growth and sharing in our well-told stories, we become advocates, unifiers, way-showers, truth-tellers, and legacy-makers. It's through the threads of our stories that we weave together a new, an empowered new world. And you know, life, life is like photography. We develop from the negatives if we choose <laughs> to do that. That's a great analogy. Life is like photography. We develop from the negatives. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that one again. Um, and, and your quote is lovely and complex. And so the analogy of the photography is a good counterpoint to it because it's so simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when, when we win, you, you know, when I said that um, the power of story, I believe in the power of story. And I'm very serious about that because what has been the fiber of mankind since the beginning of time? It's storytelling. It's passing the stories on from generation to generation. Why? So those be coming behind us can learn and have a different perspective on life. And there has been this thing, you know, before COVID happened, I would observe, if we, out to dinner, I would observe complete families sitting around the table and nobody was talking. They were all on their devices. Yeah, They were not communicating. Well, COVID came along and it changed that for a lot of people because they began to, many parents I've talked to have said, it made me realize we have not been talking and teaching our children the mm -hmm. way we should have been. And so even when, in several of our, our kids with our grandkids have been saying, you know, we're getting our kids unplugged from their devices and we're sitting, we're playing family games together and we're doing these different things together. And we're talking about, we're, we're telling stories for each other. And that's paves the way because if we can stand strong and share our stories, those very stories, have you ever heard 
had somebody come to you, even your show, and you don't know the story behind it. So you don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You don't know, like there's a, one of my authors wrote Breaking to Be Me. Mm-hmm. And she, she has got a, an incredible business now since she wrote that book. And she broke her back, but she was in incredible pain for so many, many, many years. And it, she found out through one doctor who finally said, let's get to the emotions behind what this pain is. And they did a lot of work behind the pain. And now that's her entire business is, is teaching that how to get rid of the pain. And now, oh my goodness, the woman is strong and vital. But but with, if, if she didn't share that story of where this started for her, for her, I could have never related. I didn't, I wouldn't have understood why she had the passion for the business that she's doing today. That's interesting because, and it's an aside in a way, but it's really not because for me, suicide prevention is anything that improves the life. What we're starting to see in the business world is that companies are starting to share more of their story, things that would have been kept undisclosed to the public eye. You know, the struggles behind the scenes and in companies and the origin stories of what was the, the challenge that they decided that they could overcome? What was their fight that they were the champion of? The ability to tell the corporate story, if you will, is starting to become a thing. And my concern and, and my, my cheering on is the two-sided coin. Will people believe the stories? And that's probably the question that keeps a lot of people from telling their stories. I think more than you can realize, they do. Um, have you ever gotten immersed in a story that somebody's telling from the stage? Oh, well, I get lost in stories all the time, but that was my way of hiding growing up. Oh, absolutely. But as we begin to make those choices, and for all of us, when we're facing, do I stay with life or do I check out? Mm. Um, if, if we're willing to start looking on the bright side, you know, um, willing to put ourselves out, willing to share our story, we... We don't know what kind of worlds that will open up to us because we're, we're finally able to, in a, in a way, we're reaching out for help when, when we do that. And sometimes help can be just to say, thank you for sharing your story. And help can mean different things. It could mean just we're reaching out for support that our story matters. Right. Yeah, sure that this is worth the effort. Right. Our stories do matter. Our stories are the core of humanity, truly. And once we can, we can say, hey, you know what, this is what happened to me. And, and, and I know for as even teenagers can do this. Teenagers, young people, they, they have the ability to write. Some of them can write the most amazing things, but start small. If it, even if it's, or maybe it's drawing pictures or maybe it's something, use whatever, to, whatever is native to your ability wow. and use that. And then talk about the story behind those pictures. And, and, you know, what is it? Maybe it's song, maybe it's a number of different things, but, but tap into what things, what means it means to your heart. You know, it's really interesting. Earlier when you were talking, I wrote down the story versus the meaning. And it was when you were talking about 
that you're not the same person you were when you wrote The Woman I Love, that first book. And the facts didn't change. The story didn't change. Your history is still your history. Right. But what changed was what you decided it meant. It changed because I grew from that. It's like it released its, its fire and its hold. Um, because I would, because I mean, the whole world was reading, you know, maybe not the whole world, but it, it felt like the whole world was reading it, you know, and it's put out there to, for the world to see. And um, I was willing to use it as a, to use it as a stepping stone to continue growing. And if I had the same book to write, I would write it differently today. But that's where I was at that moment in time. So wherever someone is in their life is the right place for them to start writing. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Let's give them some things that are going to help because you have this amazing gift for everyone that we'll be putting into the chat later and the people watching the recording can see in the show notes. And it's on four pillars of stories well told. So, yeah. I tell stories for a living now. So tell me more. How do I tell a well-told story? Take us you down. Know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts to, to doing, to doing it. And a lot of it is centers around being raw and vulnerable. But I've also discovered that when you understand that you, by having the courage to write your story and then share it with others, that you become an advocate for those who have no voice. Oh, and when you think of that, it begins to change the, the, even the reason that you're writing. It changes it. Why? Because when you, you get outside of yourself, because an advocate is someone to help others to speak up for, on their behalf, to address their, the needs like, the, like you're doing right now, like, like we're sharing on this show, but... It, it, and a well-told story has the power to persuade. It has the power to move people to action. A well-told story in the, in the context of becoming an advocate is when you can look at it from that perspective when you're writing, it changes the flavor and the flow of how you feel about what you're writing. Because it goes back to that same thing, if I can help one person. That's a very, very good distinction that the intention behind the writing mm-hmm. matters. Yes. I, and I think it's a very missing piece in a lot of conversation. You know, I got really lucky and most people didn't think it was so lucky. I got really lucky because my TEDx stage was scheduled for May of 2020. And thanks to COVID, it got postponed. And then it was September and then it got postponed. And it was during that period of time from May of 2020 to January of 2021 that I had a chance to grow into a, a, an awareness of why I was standing on that stage. Because when this all started for me, getting ready for the stage, there was no mission. There was no nonprofit. There was an event that had happened, right? But I hadn't, it hadn't developed into having a meaning or a mission, you know, um, 
it was just an event that prompted a book, you know, that you helped get us help get published, you know, because I was a hot mess trying to organize that myself. Yeah, I mean, it it just it was this thing over here on the side. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't the thing that it ended up becoming over the course. My first TEDx was May. We, if I had had that stage, this would have been maybe never even launched because we did the first suicide prevention show in June. Because I wasn't on that stage, this project came up for me. It, absolutely. You know, it, there's a book that I used quite extensively. It was called um, Courage to Heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's actually a big thick book and a workbook that goes with it. But um, what I find is, is it takes a lot of courage to, to, to step into the roles like you're playing. Because you do receive criticism. You do. You know, I've had people read my book and say, why didn't you stop it? You know, why didn't you, why didn't you, why didn't this and why didn't that? It's because I, with, I was able to do what I was able to do with the tools that I had at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And we can, if we allow ourselves, we continue to grow. We continue to kind of blossom in many ways. And look what your show has begun to, has done. But it's, a, it's an evolution of sorts. Mm-hmm. And it will continue to, create, to gain momentum. Look at, you have 24 people on this show. And the, the reach and the momentum that it has will help it to evolve into something even greater. That's the intention. The intention and the reason people say, Jackie, why do you do 12 hours and you know, two days? And I'm like, because that's 24 hours of content. And your longest day, your worst day, only has 24 hours in it. So I felt like if we could give 24 hours of solid content, that would give somebody a place to hang on to. And you know, I haven't overly directed you know i have trusted that the right people show up in my life to be on this event to be on the be interviewed by me and when the scheduling doesn't work out they're not the right person for me to interview i had to leave it that loose because i could drive myself crazy trying to figure out who was the right person mm. or what order to yeah. put people in right. you know or any of these things that are controlled which it's like, no, not for this program. This one is, it started out being my next platform, my next way to get my voice heard. Right. And the other reason I'm so grateful that the TEDx stage got postponed is because a year ago, you've been, I been was, here. I was, hosting, I was hosting the radio show, The World According to Jackie Simmons. It was all about me. And I think that that all of the people that you have on this show right now um, all have a story. Mm-hmm. And do you know that storytelling is so much more memorable than f- giving facts and figures? <laughs> storytelling has the reach of being able to, if you use it and you develop it pur- purposely like you have, then that's when we begin to reach hearts and we make connections and we build confidence and we are willing to make the changes we need to to continue that, that goes. 
And it helps us because what you're doing is interacting with so many people and you never know one person or all of us by sharing and doing what we're doing can maybe hit that one person who has the influence to take it point, you know, farther out than you could ever imagine. And this is what's happening. This is truly what's happening. The, that's true. The, it's, the a, people, it's a ripple effect. It's a ripple effect. It, and I had to be willing to start small, but Becky, the thing that I want to point out that is so powerful about what you're doing and about the people you are helping to get their stories into the world is I had to be willing to start small. That's easy. I had to be unwilling to stay small. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> That's the part that was really sticky for me. It's still my sticky piece. It's still my sticky piece. And I have, you know, now I've got team, you know, it, my daughter, I've, I've got other people coming on my team. And Becky, they're pushing for me to create a marketing plan and to dial in who this is for and all of the things that the business brains say are logical. And my story has very little logic to it. And so when stories have these kinds of challenges, like mine, which is, I don't know what the next right thing to do is. And so I'll, I'll just toss it back. What did you do to actually make your book visible after you wrote The Woman I Love? There was a, there's a lot of steps because it's not just writing a book. It's, it's got to be visible because anybody can write a book and publish a book. And it may not get found because there's a lot of people doing that. And so that's being willing to use. We're living in an amazing time because we have our social media we have websites, we have the, the ability to create video. And those are the things that I did and create a community. And so a storyteller also draws people that unites people to the same cause. And as you create a community, like much like what you have done, that's one of the things that, 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 make, that helps spread the word. So it's not just writing your story it's not willing not just standing on your story it's not just but you can't hide your light under a bushel basket <laughs> you've got to to be you have to be willing to be out there and, and share the message share the word and when you do that you would be amazed at the amount of support because it's you know it's you're you're sharing truth that others need to see you're you're uniting people you're showing others there's another way. There's another way. Yeah. There's and, another way. I and, mm, yeah. Your, your storytelling and this power of the story well told. So I'm going to bring you back because I've got a little, a little linear piece of my brain. That says, okay, four <laughs> things. I want the four things, the four pillars of a story well told. So can you give us the uh, clip notes version and then I can ask questions. Okay. So the first one, and we've talked about it a little bit is the um, store, the advocate. So the, that's a pillar of a story. Well told is becoming an advocate for others. Oh. Unite a unifier. You're uniting people. 
to to the cause, so to speak, or your 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 especially as we if we know how to use social media, we can form our our groups, our support groups that come from it. You're forming your tribe, so you're uniting people for for a major cause. And, and then we're truth tellers. And I like to think of truth tellers that are kind of shining the light for others to, to understand the, the depth of what they're facing and that there's another way. So it's show, showing that way. And then sh actually that ties into becoming a way shower. Ah. Um, showing that there is that other way and that what the other options are for them on how to stand tall in their story and and watch for the, in as far as for suicide, watch for the telltale signs, watch for how to be aware of that and who, the kind of people to surround yourself with. And all of that with, comes to a fifth, what I call the fifth pillar and that's becoming a legacy maker. Oh, cool, okay. Because I knew that you had this structure, but I had never heard it. And I'm like, I want to hear it. I, yeah. Some people think that I do this whole summit and the whole show is something very altruistic. And the reality is, no, I want to have this conversation with you. And sometimes the easiest way to get on somebody's schedule is to invite them onto a stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've learned. Yeah. So some of these, so all the speakers that I invite our people who have the conversation. Ask the, ask the question, what role would uniting shoulder to shoulder with others have in, as we share our story of courage and resilience, what role would that have that play in creating a better world? So, or, and it's exactly what you're doing. It's exactly what you're doing. Okay, well, I'm going to take that piece and forget that you said that and answer the question without putting me into the story. <laughs> um, because anyone who does something that unifies and pulls people together to walk together in the same direction can change the world. You know, we've yes. seen it happen throughout history. It's a small group of people who decide to work together that create change because being alone doesn't do it doesn't cut it so have you seen the uh youtube video of what it takes to start a movement some people call this the shirtless dancing guy um, no i haven't <clears throat> it's worth watching you've got um, a guy doing commentary on this video and the video is like at a rock concert and he says you've got the lone nut and here's this guy, no shirt on, just kind of doing his own thing to the music. And he's dancing all by himself. And then the commentator says, here's the first follower. Somebody else has run up to kind of emulate him. And, and he says, what's key is that the first person greets the other person as an equal. Now you don't have a lone nut. Now you have two. And he says, the first follower is the most important person because you notice, and you're watching this unfold, and the guy is like, hey, come on over. It's the first follower. Who's oh, I have friend. seen that video. He's one lonely guy just out there just dancing his heart away, and pretty soon the whole, everybody's joining yeah. in. And then, and then it reaches this tipping point where it becomes weird to be sitting down. Yeah. Yeah. 
And he said, that's what it takes to start a movement. And the most important person is not the leader. The most important yeah. person is the first follower. Absolutely, because I want, that's the first one that had the courage to, um, what everybody, the perception of everybody on looking is, what a fool. What, what's that doing over there? <laughs> and, and then when the first one stands up to have the courage to say, well, okay, I can do this too. And, and then the others start to gain the courage to follow and do the same thing. So the question you asked about, if people banded together, and they unified, and then they started walking. The one thing I'd want them to walk on is the opposite of every other suicide prevention program that I could find. When I was so enmeshed in this world, they all had an entry requirement, a mental health diagnosis, an at-risk label, or a previous attempt. They were, none of them were preventative. They were all interventive after there was a known problem. And that's how the whole take of this movement for, from our perspective, Becky, got started. We mm -hmm. want pure prevention. We want to back people away from an edge they don't even know they're near. We right. want parents to have the conversations with their kids before there's a sign. It's that awareness. It's that awareness um, to really wake them up because... Um, we don't often know that it's right there. At the, we're right there at the edge. No. And we, we don't, don't know perhaps even that our children are right at the edge or our grandchildren are right at the edge. We don't realize it. But if we pave the way, it's, this may seem like a silly analogy, but for girls that are, that are you know, seven, eight years old and their mamas have the talk with them about you know, what's coming, you know, going into womanhood and starting that, their monthly cycle. The girls that don't get that, do you know the confusion and the, the tough times that they have just adapting to that? And yet the ones that are well-prepared kind of, you know, it's not fun. It's not going to be fun, but at least they're prepared and they walk into it with a lot more grace and dignity. And what's really interesting is that parents don't realize what a hard time they're having communicating on that topic. And that was my point for this whole movement and what came out of actually going on the TEDx journey. By the time I stood on that stage, my message was not about, you need to know the 800 number. My message was about, you need to have the talk before you think they need it. Very different messages. Very incredibly different, yeah. And so I it's that awareness about it, it, that, that can be taken to anything about life, drugs, um, well, you know. Well, and there was a lot of parents. I mean, I, I thought it was funny because I did this whole thing and there's a, a little promo video up on the internet now that's like, you wouldn't, would you wait to talk to your kid about sex until after they were pregnant? And the reality <laughs> is there are families who that's their truth. Yeah. But I thought it was funny when I did it. Like, would you wait to talk to your kids about drugs until after they were in rehab? You know, or drinking until after they lost their license to drunk driving? Those are yeah. things you start very young, very young talking about. And I want suicide to be on that list of the talks that you have with your kids before they need it. Right. Yeah, that's my goal. So shoulder to shoulder, 
people on that mission. Yeah, that's really what I want. So, so in, in the ability to stand up and, and talk about it and, and share in the mission is that's what's the connector, the connecting piece. And as we unite and as we connect with each other, it changes the fire of it. It changes and it starts to, I like to liken it to the vibrational frequencies that start to ripple effects throughout the world. And that's what you're doing right here, what we're all doing in doing this. And it's that ripple effect that keeps on going, just like that dancer that had the courage to do that one thing. And so it, it's not about facing it after there's been an attempt. It's, it, it's facing it well long before so that it, those things don't happen because it's the speaking about it, just like unwed pregnancies and then just like alcoholism and drugs and everything else. It's, it's that conversation that makes that awareness that prepares and also being vigilant to keep, to watch who, who is, what's, what are my children taking in? What, what kind of diet are they, are they taking in as far as the media they're looking at, the, oh. the association that they have, you know, all of those things. And so we can create a new story here. And our new story can bring out our own special gifts to the world. And that's our responsibility right now. Our responsibility is to shine the light, to be the show the way, but to show our, to in our own special, unique way, to stand up in that story, because there's no greater gift that we can give to the world than that we love ourselves. There's no greater gift that, that we can give the world than to, to love others. And, there's no greatest, greater gift that we can give. It's for ourselves, it's for our families, for the world. It's okay, I missed the last love ourselves. Ourselves, so, our families. So ourselves, our families, and our world. Our world. The greatest, um, the greatest gift that we can give to ourselves and to all of those involved is to love ourselves. And it's to really understand that. And in the loving, is where we we're willing to stand up and do what we need to do and it's aware as parents it's that aware as grandparents it's giving that awareness well before it becomes something that's even considered all right i lost another word it's that awareness before something at the very end long before this becomes something that is considered by by a child or an adult or whoever it's that conversation long before that that situation arises. I think that what you're doing with the storytelling is such an integral part of this. And you know, Jenny is on her path helping people tell their stories. You're on your path helping people tell their stories. And I don't think there could be too much of this because I think when an adult decides that they're willing to start writing and start putting their words down, then that process gives permission for the child to do it too. Yes. In the same way that one person taking their life gives permission, license, if you will, to the people around them, this, the opposite is also true. That someone doing something that is life-affirming, as life-affirming as writing, is, gives people around them permission to do that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
And, you know, I watched the movie the other night and it was a young um, football player who was, he was, um, he was like just a sophomore in college and he was injured and he could never, he was never able to walk again. Mm-hmm. But it was, but it was his courage and his determination to continue living and to, to really make an impact. And he began speaking on stages and the, the guy never could walk again. Never, he'll never walk again. It's just, it's, he lost all of that ability. But it was that mindset and attitude towards God. And now he, he talks, goes on stages and talks to other young people. But, but do you know what that inspiration, that gives others to follow the lead? And there's many stories like that. So let's get these stories out there and keep sharing and standing in, the, in a beautiful way. Because that in itself is the fiber of, of humanity. Um. And the very fiber of what are we here for? And, you know, we're living in an amazing time. We've had a lot of stuff. But if, just take COVID by itself. If COVID had happened 10 years ago, would we have been equipped to do what we're doing today? Oh, you know, that's a really interesting point. And the answer is no, we would not have had the same tools to. So what blessed we are. We're blessed because it could have happened 10 years ago and we wouldn't have had the tool sets that we have right now. And I can only imagine what tool sets are going to be available when our grandkids are grown. And then their grandkids, well, this will look like a piece of cake because I think children are born <laughs> with, with computers on their heads. But what I'm trying to say is what we're doing here today to get this message out to the world. Yeah. For me, my power, my source is using the power of story. But for somebody else, it can be the power of song. For somebody else, it can be the power of of dance for somebody else it could be the power of something else but tap into what that power is and realize that life will throw its curveballs but parents let's talk about it let's make the awareness and kids for those for the kids that are coming up in the world that have faced these issues as they stand up and start realizing that the only way they're going to is to start talking about it. And that's how it makes a difference because you're not alone anymore because that's the problem. Many of these kids go all alone. That is certainly part of the problem. And we isolate ourselves when we're afraid of what we're thinking, when we're afraid of sharing what's our truth. Mm-hmm. And no one is immune from having a bad day. Nope. Yeah. No not one. one of us are. It's when we are afraid to talk about it, when we're afraid to share it, that we get into trouble, in my opinion. Well, in in the sharing, because I think sometimes it can be a pattern to stay in the dark. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's all, maybe that's that's all we're familiar with. Yeah. And when, when you're able to start recognizing that there's, there's a different side to the dark, there's always the light. That, that comes about and you're and you watch within yourself whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult the telltale signs that that you're feeling that way then love yourself enough and love those around you enough to to 
to talk about to get. And, you know, I'm going to add in because it's more than just talking about it that's available to us now. We have so many tools that are available to us that if we can't bring ourselves to talk about it, if we don't have someone, if an 800 number is not something that we're going to pick up the phone and do to an anonymous 800 number, if we're not going to do an anonymous self-assessment, you know, we have all of these tools available now in the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. They're all free. They're all readily available. There are also now other tools out there. So I'm encouraging people to become members of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society because we are sharing all of these other tools, other ways that if it's, it gives them a bridge between where they are to where they can talk to a human. And yes. so that's what we're working on, bringing out these bridges. And I am super, super excited that we get to have this conversation. And I'm also mindful that I have been lost in the story as you know, it's so easy for me to do when we do get a chance to talk, Becky. The gift is in the chat for everybody. And so is the link for the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. So thank you very much, Katie. And if you're watching this on the recording, look in the show notes. All of these links will be there for you. Becky, final word on this topic of story. Story. Tell your story. Stand up and stand in, stand on your story, not in your story. Tap into the power of story because it is truly amazing. And I have to say, and I know I'm changing the subject a little bit because so many of the people um, that are in your show are people, even your next speaker, are, are people that I've worked with or am currently working with and I, or I know personally. And so I feel so honored and feel so delighted because I can tell you that there was a time in my life I would never dream of being on a show like this. I would have never stood on the stage. I would have never written a book. I would have never done any of this. And when I started standing on stages, you could be in this huge auditorium and you would see my knees shaking clear to the back and my voice clicking. And I have grown tremendously since I finally took that role and decided to share my story. And it's in this, the caring enough and the standing up in the story. Storytelling is the fiber of humanity. So let's keep those stories going. Let's keep those stories going. All right. So thank you very much, Becky, for helping us keep our story going and for being part of our story at the Teen Suicide Prevention Society ever since it started. Bless you. And bless you so much. So I'm so, you know, how many years have we known each other? And look at this journey. Look at the journey we've both been on. All of us. All of us are on a journey. All of us are on a journey. Thank you. Thank you.